This is Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. Stanford. 90.1 FM. Radio Atenea Americana. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Radio Atenea Americana. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Jubes. Isabel Jubes. Bienvenidos. Atenea Americana. Welcome. Bienvenidos. From Stanford to the world. Alejandro Toledo was democratically elected president of Peru in 2001 after a strong fight to restore democracy in the country. Just before his term in power, the country had to overcome great challenges. Right now, there is a short documentary about his fight and the fight of his team for the change to restore peace and justice in Peru. It can be seen on our website at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org. During his five-year term, the central aim of Toledo presidency was the fight against poverty through investment in healthcare and education. Because education makes people free. Education helps people to strengthen democracy in the region. Education gives you the option to choose. And when you can choose, you are free. Before becoming president, Dr. Toledo worked for the World Bank and the Inter-American Development Bank in Washington, D.C. and the United Nations in New York. Toledo is the first president in Peru of indigenous descent, which is the vast majority of Peruvian population, but historically the most marginalized. He was born in a small and remote village in the Peruvian Andes, 12,000 feet above sea level. Dr. Alejandro Toledo was born in a family with 16 kids from the same mother and father. Growing up, he held many jobs like a street shoe shiner, he also sold newspapers and even lottery tickets to supplement the family income. He was able to escape from extreme poverty and attend the most prestigious academic centers of the world and later becoming one of the most prominent democratic leaders of Latin America. I'm optimistic. We have a lot of assets, but it has come the tipping point to make a significant shift from being a region of raw material exported, which prices we do not control in the international market, and to invest more into the minds of our people, to redraw the social face of our continent, to make it less poverty, less unequal. He is a great example of what education can do and that all people from any race and background can achieve great levels of success and education and be proponent of change in their communities. 
In the last years, he had been part of many international organizations for democracy and development. He has also been working at the Stanford University, writing two books about his visions for Latin America. A book that I uh, wrote about the recuperation of democracy and freedom in Peru from a dictatorship of Fujimori. Another book that I just concluded, and that is has to do with the Latin American unique opportunity in history to make a, a leap forward, to play a major role in the world economy, play an important task in the challenge of sustainable development in the world. His wife, anthropologist and researcher Eliane Cartolero, has also been teaching and writing at Stanford, and now they are ready to pass the page to new challenges. Eliane has also been at Atene Americana, and you can find her interesting insights about the indigenous people of Los Andes in our website. Stay with us to listen to our distinguished guest, ex-president of Peru, Alejandro Toledo, who brings us a little of his wisdom and some news about his future plans. It's a real honor for Atene Americana and for KCSU having you back here in our show. I'm talking today with ex-president Alejandro Toledo, uh, who has been here at Stanford for the last few years and is ending this period at the university, moving forward uh, next month with new project. He's been writing uh, a couple of books. He's been also engaged in uh, different uh, international institutions for democracy and uh, development. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's really um, a privilege and I'm glad that Stanford can sponsor this KZSU communication program. It is important that students from Latin America or from the world be connected and be aware of what is going on in the world. The world is shrinking. Technology is making the world smaller. And so whatever happens in China has an impact in Caracas and Venezuela and Peru and Paraguay. So congratulations for being on the air and um, keep informed about what's going on in the rest of the world. Thank you. You have been uh, writing some books about democracy in Latin America and about development. I can uh, announce now, uh, last week uh, I was in Peru and uh, I presented a, a book that I uh, wrote about the recuperation of democracy and freedom in Peru from a dictatorship of Fujimori and also some of the issues in which we had to deal with with us as a president. But I'm very um, enthusiastic about the book, I just another book that I just concluded and turned it into the uh, publisher. And that is has to do with the Latin American unique opportunity in the history of the region to make a, a leap forward, to play a major role in the world economy, to construct a region with an inclusive growth and to play an important task in the challenge of sustainable development in the world. Uh, because right now we are uh, 9 billion people in the world, and we confront problems of energy, 
and we already are experiencing global warming, climate change. But 35 years from now, when we reach 2050, we, our children and the children of our children will confront on all the challenges. Clean water to drink, clean water to do agricultural activity, food security, the consequence of climate change. I know that those are medium and long-term objectives, but our, the decisions need to be taken yesterday. And so um, the, the book that um, should be coming out in about six months, seven months, it's about Latin America. It's about, from a very uh, optimistic, for some people, perspective, never before the region had had such an incredible opportunity to make a shift from being ex exported of raw material and to go into a knowledge economy, diversify the composition of economic growth, agro-industry, ecotourism, uh, chips, science, technology, innovation, and to meet this opportunity and not lose the train of the future, we need to invest significantly on the quality of healthcare and education of quality because education makes people free. Education helps people to strengthen democracy in the region. Education gives you the option to choose. And when you can choose, you are free. Otherwise, you are a slave of the willingness of the elite of our region. In uh, what way we can face the challenge of uh, sustainability? Because it's a very fragile but powerful at the same time environment, the one that we have in uh, Latin America. Uh, we need to protect it, but it's the future of the world, literally. You know, the reason of my optimism combined with the challenges that we need to confront is the following. Latin America is one of the regions that has the most biodiversity in the whole world. Latin America is a region that contains still water that will be an scarcity 35 years from now. Latin America is one of the few lands that can breathe in the jungle that we share with Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and Brazil. Latin America produces gold, silver, copper, oil, gas, fish meal. I don't know whether this is a blessing or a curse, but if we can convert it in an opportunity, it will be absolutely great. I'm an, op I'm an optimistic. However, the challenges are there. And we need now inspire leadership looking at the state policies more than just doing everyday politics. Latin America lead needs more leadership and less politics. Um, I'm optimistic. We have a lot of assets, but it has come the tipping point to make a significant shift from being a region of raw material exporters, which prices we do not control in the international market, and to invest more into the minds of our people, to redraw the social face of our continent, to make it less poverty, less unequal. Latin America is not the poorest continent in the world, but is the most unequal continent of the world. I just came from Africa, and it's going to take quite some time. But the region has everything. All that we need is to have the courage to think ahead, not get trapped into the short-term politics, 
trying to increase your popularity for the next election, the responsibility is to make the decisions thinking in the next generations. I know that that's not a short-term return, but it's inevitable. Otherwise, we will be a slave of the prices of the commodities in the international market. In uh, many countries in Latin America, the people that is in more their need uh, is actually not a minority. Many of them are the indigenous people. How can we engage everybody uh, from whatever they are for the complexities of the geography and uh, make them part of, of this new globalization that it has proven that we can keep our traditions and regional truths even though we can educate and be global at the same time? It's a very crucial question. It's going to be difficult to be free if we don't work in inclusion policies of the indigenous people of the Amazons, of the African Latin Americans, women, empowering women, particularly in the rural areas. We are the majority. And yet, for 500 years, the 10% of the population has been making the decisions for the country, for the region. And so I'm not asking anyone to go to rebel and to be violent. Just I'm asking to give the people the right to be free through Quality of education, quality of education, health care, and nutrition. Every human being have the right to have an equal opportunity. Not to give fish away, but rather to give them the right to learn how to fish. The only weapon that I know in the world, and the empirical evidence are strong, to eliminate poverty inequality and redraw the social phase of our continent is through quality of education. Education is freedom. Why it seems that democracy is failing in Latin America? What are the problems? Why, even though there are elections in many places, we can really say that it is a democracy. It's just not equal, one thing to the other. Democracy will be uh, an empty word if it, it is not doesn't have the capacity to deliver concrete results. I have the privilege to work in the Center for Democracy Development and Rural Law at FSI at Stanford University. I have the privilege to preside a foundation, the Global Center for Development and Democracy in the world. But we need to prioritize our investment, that the income that we receive from the export of oil, gas, gold, silver, copper, fish meal. We need to invest today in knowledge and shift the economic sectors not to depend and export in the raw material. It's too dangerous. And remember that today we're talking with ex-president Alejandro Toledo. We're talking about the future of Latin America, democracy and development in the hemisphere. As usual, as this is a community public radio, we will be telling you about some very interesting public service announcements.
PHTV is an independent, publicly supported nonprofit TV platform that reaches 35 million households in the U.S. Using both television and the internet, Free Speech TV inspires viewers to become civically engaged in building a more just, equitable, and sustainable society. You can get involved by joining an online community, subscribing to the e-guide or RSS feeds, sharing videos, of course, making a donation. For more information, visit freespeech.org. Are there any examples of, of complete changes in policies and philosophy for recovery and development that we can use? Let me just give you some example. Japan, after the Second World War, they were destroyed. And I lived two years in Japan. I was a professor at Waseda University. Japan had nothing, has no natural resources. A lot of water, hundred and something islands, and a lot of Japanese. But what they did, they were forced to invest in healthcare and education and copy the technology of other countries. Korea, after South Korea, after 1960, they decided to send their youth abroad to have a good quality of education, but with the condition to return. Israel has nothing. Israel has no water, and yet it became a power in the world in agro-industry. has no water. It's just tiny. Now it produces chips. It's the second country in the world of production of cybernetics and technology after the U.S., particularly in this area of Stanford, Sanji Road, Stanford University, and the Silicon Valley. So we need to make the shift, and that demands from the leaders. And from here, I ask, beg the head of the states who now are conducting the destiny of their respective countries in Latin America, not to lose this unique opportunity of the region. If we don't take it out, we lose the train of history, and we will be dependent always on the raw material, which are finite, by the way, which contaminate the environment, which contaminate the water to drink and the water to do agriculture, and therefore food security will be a greater challenge. It's like a drug. Really? It can be medical in little amounts, but it's very dangerous and nocive. Really? What are the other top priorities for development in the region? Inclusiveness is vital. Empirical evidence showed today that a dollar invested in poor women has one dollar and a half return more than invested in men. Empower poor women. Poor women are... One of the greatest economists in the world without have going to Harvard, Stanford, or Wharton. They are an, an incredible administrators of scarcity. They invested better in the education of the kids, of the food. I don't know how they do it, but they're impressive. Second, youth, decent jobs, well-paid, decent jobs. Watch it. Youth who, with a lot of hope, would to the universities in our continent, and then they're graduating and don't have jobs or are miserably paid, watch it, that could be explosive. It is true that the middle class has 
increase a bit in Latin America in the last 14 years because of economic growth. But that middle class have higher expectations and they will demand more from governments. An example, Chile, demanding for a better quality of education. Brazil, after, after the Anastasia of soccer World Cup, now they have to wake, they are waking up to the reality. And now the favelas, when is my turn? Equality, inclusiveness. Inclusiveness for the youth, decent jobs, well paid. Inclusiveness for the people who have different skin color. As I said it before, democracy does not have a nationality. Just as much human rights does not have a skin color. And in a shrinking world through this cybernetics, whatever happens right now in Ukraine, a plane just fell down a few hours ago. That was, has an impact in Paraguay and Peru. Mm -hmm. Whatever new things we do, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Social networks, globalization, instant news from everywhere. In Peru, we are 30 million people, but we have 38 million cellulars. So the poor, each day, have less patience to continue being poor. And this is powerful. If not, let's look at Iran. They have the war in their hands. <laughs> to a large extent. Yeah. <laughs> Internet penetration is not as great in, um, in countries who are geographically very accidental, like Peru, but uh, they can communicate, and they know how the other sides are, the, the, the rich are living. So their uh, level of patience to continue being poor are each day less and less. This is Atenea Americana, and I am your host, Isabel Jubes. You may find this and all my shows at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org. This is a bilingual cultural show bringing you a window to the Latin and Hispanic universe every week for two hours, one in English and one in Spanish, from Stanford to the world. You can also be part of this, leaving me your comments, sharing your thoughts, and even more at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org. I invite you to be part of this. Today we're talking with ex-president Alejandro Toledo. We're talking about the future of Latin America, democracy and development in the hemisphere. If they have access to internet, they can get the information from all around the world. The education today, open universities. Absolutely, absolutely. Even if they don't have internet, SMS. The poor women, they, they know how to use SMS. <laughs> And they, they know how the other side, how green the other side is, and they have expectations. So it's uh, my, um, my claim, my pledge, my request to the leaders of Latin America and to the, of the world is please let's think more about state policies, which returns are medium and long term, I know that, will not give you a great popularity for the next election, but you will be making a great impact for the next generations. Education takes time uh, to mature. Issues such as clean water, we need to make the decision yesterday. Issues such as climate change, 
is something that we need to deal now because um, we already have are observing the symptoms of it. So what is really happening with democracy in Latin America? Democracy that is not delivery is not democracy. A democracy that has an election, but if they don't exercise, they're not accountable to the citizens, that's, not a, that's a fake democracy. Example, Venezuela, with all due respect for the Venezuelans. So in the case of Venezuela, I, uh, I have a... Because I have lived and they have told me everything, just as, as they said about this congresswoman Machado or Lopez or other leaders. To me, they have insulted me. The only thing that they haven't said that I'm from Norway <laughs> because my face protects me. But um, let's not be afraid because um, dictators use all the institutions that they kidnap in order to perpetuate in power. They use the income from natural resources to give fish away, but that's fragile. It would explode. And so I'm very pleased that programs like this at Stanford would make aware students from Latin America who are at Stanford. My pledge, I beg them, go back, take advantage of the great quality of education of Stanford and other universities in the States and Europe, but Latin America is waiting for you. The impact that you will have with the education will be much greater than if you stay in the United States of Europe. Nobody will do it if you, the educated people doesn't do it. So I'm not saying this is a, as a declaration or as a professor or academician or a politician. I'm going back. And I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not any more 40 years old, and I already have been president. So I don't, I'm not going to run for a president because I want to be a president. Uh, my country already gave me that privilege. I will, I will go back because I have a pending agenda. So you are going back, and you're going to run again. I made it. There are a lot of millions of people who have not made it, and it's my responsibility. Maybe that's naive, illusion, dreamer. What the hell? <laughs> I remember that today we're talking with ex-president Alejandro Toledo. We're talking about the future of Latin America, democracy and development in the hemisphere. As usual, as this is a community public radio, we will be telling you about some very interesting public service announcements. SIGUAL International is a non-profit organization with charitable projects in the U.S., India, and other countries worldwide. SIGUAL's focus is on helping in the event of natural disasters and also providing support for refugee welfare, education and healthcare, as well as promoting volunteerism. For more information, or if you'd like to donate, visit SIWAUSA.org. That's S-E-W-A-U-S-A.org. Why is so challenging in Latin America 
in general, as I'm looking at Venezuela and all the countries that had influence lately, and you look at the last 50 years history in the region, why is so challenging to to keep democracy going? There one answer, I suppose there is no one, but it, it looks like it was a strong democracy until late 90s in Venezuela with a lot of challenge. It fell apart and it It has been happening a lot in Latin America during the last decades. Three reasons comes to my mind. And to speak very frankly, politicians in the past have been maybe unintentionally the fathers of the dictators, the populist dictatorships of today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With all due respect. Yeah, I believe that too. <laughs> Secondly, a democracy that does not deliver could be very disappointed. Democracy does not is not circumscribed to an election day when you go to vote. It is not sufficient to be elected under the assumption that the election is clean. It's more important to govern democratically, to be accountable to the citizen that they voted for you or that you represented. The third reason is that sometimes presidents get caught And the day-to-day demanding of resolving minor issues and we got caught into the day-to-day routine and we are not thinking on the state policies that will have a medium and long-term maturity. I know it's not profitable because it will not increase your popularity if you increase the level of education or quality because it takes 20, 26 years you will no longer be a president. But it's an in- inevitable path to follow. Maybe we need more leadership and less politics. <laughs> um, maybe we need an inspired leadership that thinking about the type of life that our children and the children of our children will have uh, 35 years from now when we reach 2050 And when the world will be nine billion people, it's, it's uh, an illusion. It's a dreamer. Is I thinking too anticipated? Yes, and uh, I have assumed that responsibility with my own craziness. Nobody's perfect. Each one has their own choices. This is my choice, and um, I'm not talking only about Peru. I'm talking about the Latin American region. And that this book is about Latin America, knowing that Latin America is not a homogeneous region, and there's a lot of variations from country to country. But we have the same opportunities and the same challenges, and maybe we can learn from each other. And maybe together, by taking a look at Latin American as Bolivar, originally inter- in- interpreted integration, not as Hugo Chavez wanted for his own convenience interpreted integration. Maybe by looking at us, we can together go out and conquer the world and be a region that plays a major role in the graded issues that the world will confront and that it will improve the quality of life of our children. In uh, 2001, you helped to draft a letter Uh, that could be very important to guard democracy 
in the region, in the continent. Uh, I'm talking about the democratic, the democratic chart. Can you talk about its importance and what it means and how can it help at the moment of darkness in the human rights in the nation? It's a good, it's a good point. Um, 40, 50 years ago, we had dictators who were militaries, almost in every country in Latin America. We also were the sources of a lot of trouble and economic chaos, crisis hyperinflation. We have learned our lesson. We made a lot of mistakes. We have learned to manage now our economy better. Uh, the crisis of 2008-2009 did have an impact on us, but this time was not created by Latin Americans. It was created by the Lehman Brothers, by the Mary Lynch, by the J.P. Morgans from Wall Street. However, we pay part of the top. We learn our lesson to put our house in order economically. Secondly, we were able to make considerable progress in democracy. Most of the countries of Latin Americans were dem- 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 democrats, democracies. Except Cuba, of course. Which is not part of the uh, states of America. That's right. But all of a sudden... A new type of dictatorship emerged in the region. They take advantage of democracy. They go through the door of democracy with elections, clean or not very clean elections. And then they kidnapped the institutions for the re, 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 re-elections. Three months after I took office in 2001, I convened all the foreign ministers in Peru to sign the Inter-American Democratic Charter, which really is the consti- democratic constitution of Latin America. And the institution that was supposed to implement this Inter-American Democratic Charter was the OAS. I'm sad to say that the OAS has allowed to expand some countries into a non-democratic practices. You can be elected democratic but not have democracy. The case of Venezuela is a clear example. The case of Nicaragua is a clear example. The case of Bolivia is a clear example. The case of Ecuador is a clear example. Clear. Now, democracy that does not deliver could disappoint people. So you can do a survey, as the UNDP did once, and 54% of Latin Americans said, I prefer an authoritarian regime to a democratic government because they give me something to eat. Wow. That's, uh, now, we now are trying to create a new generation of leadership in Latin America, and the Ford Foundation, the UNDP, uh, the CAF, uh, Development Bank has helping us to create and train new generations from 28 to 38 years old to conduct the region because we will pass. And the world is changing and we need a new mentalities and new leaderships and with the capacity to deliver concrete results to the poor people. And secondly, to create um, a system that monitors the quality 
of democracy in the region. So if some president reads an article that is does not like him, um, that doesn't allow him the right to close the newspaper. Democracy means to exchange your opinions. If we don't disagree, if we everyone think alike, we stop learning. It's the exchange of different opinion that makes knowledge to advance. So this Inter-America Democratic Charter is a crucial one. But um, I'm afraid that the OAS, in my personal view, um, has not complied with its man- mandate. And therefore, other institutions are emerging in the region, such as ALBA, created by Hugo Chavez, or Mercosur, or other institutions, uh, where they don't want Canada and the United States to be part of. Mm. I wish the United States would have also a much uh, louder voice about what they, they believe. This country is really admirable about the strength of the democratic institutions. Now, having said that, to conclude, Latin Americans should not expect that the United States do our jobs. And they shouldn't, not anymore. It is our responsibility. It is Latin Americans. We cannot be waiting for the states to do our, our job in terms of democracy strengthening, in terms of strong democratic institutions, or in terms of social inclusion. Yes, we can fight against organized crime, terrorism, insecurity in the streets. Economic we, development. Economic development, sustainable development. But the issues of Latin America needs to be dealt by Latin Americans, and we, uh, we have the capacity to do it. We don't have to depend in any country from, uh, from abroad, although we are very much interconnected. Thank you for listening to Atenea Americana, your house of culture in the radio and online. In this bilingual show, I bring you every week one hour in English and one hour in Spanish, opening a window to the cultural Hispanic world. You can hear in the intro and at the final of the show, as well as right now, music from the legend of Latin jazz, Oscar Hernandez. This and all my shows are in stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org, where I wait for your comments. I invite you to be part of this. that today we're talking with ex-president Alejandro Toledo. We're talking about the future of Latin America, democracy and development in the hemisphere. So there is a lot in your mind and a lot of work now for you, referring Peru, referring the region, and uh, also the involvement in all those uh, 
international organizations for democracy and development that you have been working so hard in the last years? I'm no longer only crazy about my country and about Latin America. Education and luck, I guess, has made me uh, an Indian, an Andean gypsy of the world. Uh, spend more time in the air than in the land. Uh, but um, Secretary General of the United Nations have asked me to implement the social agenda for democracy for Latin America to do it in Africa. We decided to stick in Latin America in order not to delude too much. And so Latin America is our task. And, of course, if this decision of going back to Peru with the blessing and the support of my wife, we will uh, we do it because I have a strong conviction that I have still a pending agenda in my own country. And uh, I want to recuperate the minds of the youth of Latin Americans to come to Latin America and hopefully to influence some of my colleagues in the region. It has been a, a real honor to have you here. And uh, I know that uh, the next couple of years will be very hectic and you will be really everywhere, <laughs> mostly in Peru. Thank you. I know. Thank you very much and congratulations for the program. It has been a pleasure. And... Um, I hope that you will be many years more uh, informing, but also raising your voice to strengthen democracy, to strengthen social inclusion, to reduce poverty and reduce inequality. Thank you very much. And, uh, well, we wish you a lot of success. And this was Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Stanford, 90.1 FM. Rayon Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual House of Culture. On the air and online. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para Rayon 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Jubes. Isabel Jubes. Vuelve pronto. Atenea Americana from Stanford to the world. Remember to come back soon. Ciao. See you later.